College is committed to training tomorrow's apostolic ministers today. And this is the Indiana Bible College podcast. Today we welcome Rev. Jim Sleva to the podcast, Preaching in Chapel, on the occasion of Reality Week. Reality Week is a time where students get out of the classroom and evangelize in a community surrounding Indianapolis. And this year, that community is Greenwood, Indiana, and the campus there. Brother Sleva is passionate about souls, and you can hear that in his message today. And if you are interested in the new book about Brother Sleva's life, I want to let you know that's available in a number of ways. Firstly, our online store, store store.indianabible.college. You can pick it up there for donation, as well as if you will be in town for General Conference or if you will be at the alumni event Wednesday of General Conference, you can still register and Brother Sleva will be signing books at both of those venues. We hope to see you at one of those and I trust you're going to enjoy this message from Brother Jim Sleva. Thank you, Jesus, for being so good, Lord, for all the things you've done. We respond to you, God, to say, yes, God, what a good God you are. And we magnify you, God. We bless your name. And I thank you, I thank you, I thank you. In Jesus' name. So you may be seated. Uh, we'll get that started right off. See, I, I'm learning from my... Uh, um, let me first say this. Um, I appreciate the staff here. Thank you for the honor to speak here. I recognize that. Brother Rodenbush, thank you. You've been, uh, he was my boss back in Europe back in the day, and uh, we had a lot of good times. Uh, the rest of the staff, I owe you so much because you have just made this place a fun place to be at. Of course, Brother Turner's kind of helped me write this book. This book thing, um, the only way he conned me into this was he said, I didn't have to write anything. I just had, he just asked me questions, and he'd do the writing. So he wrote the book. So I'm thankful for that. But really, all of you, uh, I'm really killed my hair so many times, you know, good things said about the classes and the students are so inspired. And I just go down the line, Brother Brzezinski, we go way back in the day, uh, early, early Stone Age days almost. And uh, yeah, Zach Ross used to be in my Sunday school class back in the day. You remember that? Anyway, um, just to say things have changed. This building, this room has changed a lot. Um, and, but anyway, I started saying that. I'm thankful for the staff. It's a blast to have here. I, I like Brother Kilman's statement. He often says, you know, he says, I have fun doing this and even pay me for it. And I have to agree. That's a good line. It, they, we have a good time. We have fun at um, the union paid. It's even the will of God. And that's the best part. Um, and let me just say this, too. I, I recognize, and this is probably why I really, really want to say thank you to you. Because I recognize that it isn't easy to come to Bible college. Um, here's what it appears like to me. One, probably most of your um, cool friends in the world will say, you're going to where? Bible college? Get a real degree. You know, and they try to like downplay like this is something secondary. And so, number one, it probably wasn't the easiest choice for you to make. It's not like the glamour road where I'm a famous student at some big Ivy League college or something. One, but it is what God called you to do, and I'd rather have God's approval than anybody else's approval. Two, um, 
so I realized you had to walk away from the, the pride aspect of what you could have pursued somewhere else and look better, maybe. Some of you had maybe riffraff even with your family or whatever about your choices. Um, and so the fact that you chose to put God first, that's awesome. Putting God first will be the most important thing you can do throughout your whole life. Throughout your whole life. Uh, you come here and you have a culture shock. Not that people wear strange masks or something or eat weird food or something. But uh, all of a sudden it's different. You're living in a dormitory if it's your first year. Maybe you hadn't had that experience before. Um, there's all things that are different. It's like this is, I don't know how these things work here. I remember when I went to Bible school, I went to, to Gateway back in the Stone Ages. Actually, it had been 70, 1970. And I remember going there, and I, I didn't even really feel like I was supposed to go to Bible college. I, I, I wasn't my, it wasn't on my bucket list, put that way. I really felt like God was shoving me to go there, yes. But uh, I was like, mm-hmm. and uh, so uh, I get there, and here's all these, you know, upperclassmen. I'm, Pascal, we're going to preach a storm down. I mean, they're like. And I'm like, boy, I don't even know how to deal with this stuff at all, you know. And, uh, and so I was just, you know, keep your mouth shut, Sleva. They won't know. And, you know, and so, you know, I just, uh, and I remember just being intimidated by the whole crowd out there. And so, um, uh, yeah, you have to make some adjustments. I'm thankful that I had like a, one or two friends that kind of like at least made me feel comfortable being there. And uh, after a while, I kind of started getting in my niche and kind of started happening. And so I realize there's that, that uh, shock you kind of go through if you're a freshman coming here, for most of you. Some of you might have been old-time stuff, just like, got it down, know how it's going. My brother and sister went here. I know got, you got it all figured out already. Um, but here's part two now. So you're here. We're going. And um, you're analyzing what everybody else is doing. We're not, we're not supposed to do this, but we often will compare ourselves to everybody else and say, like, how am I rating? How are they rating? And is this good and bad? And do I look good enough? And blah, blah, blah. And um, then you'll be in a chapel service, chapel services, where God has challenged you to become something different than what you have been. There's this challenge to say, um, am I going to really pursue God in my heart or just go through a schedule? We've tried to help you. We've given you a schedule and classes we would recommend, the Old Testament survey, holiness, those kind of things. Uh, we have a lot of things that we're, we're hoping that we'll, we'll, you'll glean meat from and be able to grab onto it. But if you're just following only a schedule and a program, there needs to be a time when God speaks to you about you and you become the man or woman that God wants you to become. And this is shifting to another whole level then. It's kind of like, will I just dance the tune and go home and have notes? Or will this come into my heart and make me become something that I never could have been by myself? Did the Word of God transform me? And, and so, so hell doesn't like that. doesn't want you to become a real person. And so he'll be intimidating you with all kinds of fear, like, oh, you can't make it, you're a loser, and blah, 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 blah. There, twice, I think, in Bible school, I came convinced my one time I... <laughs> I hate to admit this. Is this on recording? doesn't matter. There was one time in Bible school that I concluded I never got the Holy Ghost. I mean, hell was after me so hard that I convinced, I, I somehow thought, you know, 
and I remember sitting in the service. They were shouting, running out, going, oh, and we we're all just praising God, whatever. And this little creepy voice says, yes, they got the Holy Ghost. They spoke in the real tongues. But you, no, you didn't get the real thing. And I'm like, and I remember just right then, as soon as that, mind, that went to my mind, it was like, hmm. I just sat down and I go like, oh, no, God, please, oh, God, no, don't, don't let me bless. I, I want the Holy Ghost. I'm sorry, God. I, and I couldn't feel God for the rest of that service. They were just having a blast and a half, worshiping, having a crazy time. And I'm just sitting there like. How does that happen in Bible school? A year or two, a year later, I think it was. Instant kind of adapted replay. Um, I'm just. I think it was my, yeah, it must have been my senior year. So I'm sitting there just worshiping God, and I'm over at, um, St. Louis is full of all kinds of preachers, and so I had some, some peers that their fathers were at headquarters, and they were just spiritual men I really looked up to. And I remember sitting on the couch, well, the parents were gone, and I had to keep the house, so I was there enjoying my way from Gateway. And so I'm just sitting on the couch, and I'm, I put on Andre Crouch. That was, a song, that was the stuff to listen to back in the day. Uh, and it says, it won't be long till we'll be leaving here. And I'm just... Worshiping God, just having just a great time. It, there's no church service. It's just I'm at the house being real with God. And, just, and hell just drops in another little word to me and says, like, uh, yeah, but you're going to die lost. And I mean, immediately, everything got sucked out of me. There's no God. I couldn't feel God at all. I'm like, no, 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 God, please come back. Uh, what did I do wrong? Sorry. And I didn't know what I was doing wrong. But there's this fear that just kind of just chokeholded me. And, and I thought, you know, yeah, I do have the Holy Ghost. I am saved right now. But me being dumb and stupid, I'll probably blow it somehow and end up going to hell. And, and it was just so, for the next three days, I was tormented. But the idea is I won't be saved. And there's nothing I can do about it. I wanted to be saved. I was willing to follow God. I wasn't giving a hard time. But just it's like, what that is, that is Fear. That you call it right. The devil lies to us, tells us all kinds of stupid trash. No, they can, but you can, or blah, 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 blah. And if you start entertaining the, the fear, the lies, that, oh, the giants are so big, the walls are so thick, you can't take the city, all of a sudden you're going to feel like you're not going to feel God. You know why you're not going to feel God? Because you're not having faith. Hebrews eleven six. 6, without faith it's impossible to please God. You have to believe that he is and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So, folks, I, I want to somehow say grab hold of not only your salvation faith, but what God called you to be. If he called you to be at Bible school, it doesn't matter how worthless you feel, how much the devil lies to you and says, oh, this is going to be wrong, that's going to be wrong. You'll never make them. Trash is to say, no, God called me and it's his problem how to fix me. He knew how a loser I was. But he's going to want to fix me. He's going to make me what I need to be. It's going to be his power, not my power. I'm not earning anything from him. He, he is just looking for someone who will open their heart and says, God, sign me up. I need it. If you're willing to reject lies, that's why we have to have the word. Man, this tells you where to be and where not to be. What to believe and what not to believe. If you receive the word, discard the trash, and say, God, I don't know how in the world you could possibly use me, but here I am. Let's go. He will do the impossible. This week is reality week. 
Um, and we need to move it up just, uh, I like to kind of focus on this area. One, so you're called, you're here, and I, every morning, I got my, my phone here saying, <laughs> here's a prayer request. Lord, help me to be the best teacher I can be to help them be all you call them to be. I want to do whatever I can do to inspire faith. I want to do whatever I can do. And, and that's, a awesome, I'm, that's a scary responsibility because you are actually, what God's target is, is to say, I want to use them. And so if we shape you to say, well, it's like how talented you are, that's what's going to make you. Or it's because you read more than everybody else or all the things that we can do. And we should do those things, not diminishing that. But you have to have faith to know that God called you and you're going to say yes. And because you have faith, you will rise and go. So a lot of times our lifestyle shows what we really believe. You give me a question, I can fill out the doctoral statement and say, yep, sign in the whole thing. And that's, but, but what do I really believe? You'll know by my lifestyle. And so I want us to just take a little bit of a look at that. And so, uh, and, and just wrapping this little introductory part up. One, there'll be some of you in Bible school that will feel the urge to say, you know, this is all good, and I've done the schedule, and I've learned the information, I've got all the notes. But you know what? I'm not sure I'm going to make it financially in life, and so I'm going to, I'm going to have to kind of conform to the world a little bit here. Not that you're going to backslide, but that just I'm going to trust in my ability to have a, a better secular job, and maybe I need to pursue. And here's the thing. You only get 24 hours a day. The more I pursue the things of this world, the less time I have left for God. That's why there's always sacrifice. Hell will put out all kinds of nice bribes out there and say, hey, go for this here. It's not a sin. It's good. You get to enjoy life a little bit better. You'll, with all the false good things that hell tries to say is a good thing. Um, man, I was talking to alumni. Uh, we haven't talked in a long time. He gave me a call, and he just had returned from the mission field. And this is what he said. He said, man... I was at a service where 12,000 people got the Holy Ghost that week. Woo! Nice. And so, you know, I said, why do you think that was? He said, well, the difference is, and he's passionate here in America. Doesn't have the same results. I said, so why is that, bro? He said, they have such a hunger there. There is such a hunger there. If they don't care about anything else, it's just, we're going to pursue that. Well, we've eaten so much candy, sweets, you know, fluffy stuff. I don't mean that literally. We do that too. But the issue is that we, we ingest so much of the world's uh, time, occupation, and whatever else that we're kind of falsely satisfied with not really nutritional stuff, but just a lot of taste good, fun stuff that we've done. And you only get 24 hours, and you... You're burned out, and I got a little time for God, and I'll, I'll clock in my prayer time because I like him, but it's not my passion, desire. It's burning in my heart. So we need, uh, you're willing, I believe, because you came to school, to want to say, I want to run really for it, for real. I don't want to just go through the schedule. I want to really be changed. One of the first things that's going to happen is, one, is to recognize your call. And it's going to be God that's going to make you to be what you need to be. 
The second thing is, is that there comes a time when you have to arise and go. You have to move. And so this week, uh, well, first, let me say this. You say, well, there isn't a program for me to move in. I know. I, I work at, why do I sign up for this program where I can rise and go? It's, it's not a program. It's you responding to the to working of the Holy Spirit. One, um, the people who are not going to choose just to go back and become secularified, if that's such a word, um, and just become back to routine and be a good Christian and support the church and pray occasionally, maybe teach Sunday school, but you really say, no, I, I want to be all you call me to be, God. First thing, you're going to have to get a prayer life. And there may be nobody else that wants to pray with you. And so it's just going to be you in your room. I remember a number uh, over the years, uh, I can tell you people in ministry now, that I'd be sitting in my room up in the dorm, and I'd hear the, the wall next door through the wall, God, someone's crying out to God. There wasn't a group prayer meeting. It was just they were hungry for God. Oh, no wonder they're in the ministry now. No wonder things have happened because they, they said, by faith, you've called me, God, so I will arise. I will start my prayer life. I will get into this. I'm going to start seeking the word. I'm going to start getting into this. I want to study this. It's what I want to become. And so it's not just an act I put on. It's just not something I turn on on church nights and turn off when I go back out. It's, it actually transforms us and makes us into a whole new person. Is that possible for everybody in here? Yes. Tell the devil to shut up and say, God, by faith, your word has called me, and therefore I will rise and I will become what you call me to become. Nobody else may even notice it. You know, if you're trying out for music, you have to stand up and sing in front of everybody so they can see how good you do and rate that. But when it comes to spiritual things, it's not going to be something that you're going to get a rating on. It might be just you in your prayer closet. But God's giving you a rating. He's responding. You're going to notice that things start changing inside your heart and your life. And so um, it, that's going to become what's going to become critical is I got to become, I have to become what God is calling me to become. I will say yes if he's called me to be a minister, if he's called me to be a soul winner, whatever he's called me, I want to follow him with all my passion and all my heart and become what he called me to be. And just simply to say yes and to then to know that he's going to take you so much farther than you could ever dreamed. Brother Mooney's famous statement, he says, if you plan your own life, you'll severely underplan. But what God wants to do will take you so far beyond you could even imagine right now. And so you have to hang on to those dreams and says, God, let my heart be a fertile field where you can put in your dreams, what you want to become. And I say, no way that's ever going to become possible. But, Lord, with you, all things are possible. And so you step up and says, I will walk. I will follow. I'm scared to death to know how I'm going to do this, but it's not going to be me that does it anyway. It's going to be him working through me that makes this happen. So thank you for being here at Bible school. We as a staff will try to do our best to facilitate um, everything we can to inspire your faith, to, to point you to the Word of God, to say, here's what you need to get rid of. By the way, you, you're talking about repentance and, and making those little adjustments. That is crucial. But if you only stay in repentance level, I, need a, I don't want to detract from that. Let me fix that. If I'm always repenting, and we should always be repenting, but I never go beyond that to say, and now I believe that you're able to make me into what you want to make me. So you have to get rid of the junk that doesn't fit, true. But then I also have to receive what he wants to make of me. If I don't have faith for that, we're dead in the water and you're just in the repentance, sorry 
mournful mode all your life and you live a very agonizing, quote-unquote, Christian life. It's not really Christian life, but it, it looks like it because you're always repenting and feeling like a failure. I'm a failure, I'm a failure, I'm a failure. And all you hear is failure, 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 failure. And like, ah, this is horrible to live life as a failure. God wants to lift us up beyond that then to say, and now by faith, I've repented from the past. I will keep cleaning out anything that's not Christ-like, but I will move on to become what he called me to be in faith. He will lead. He will guide me. He will take me to the next level. So this week, this week, um, there may not be a scheduled program. Now, there is tonight. What's tonight? And Greenwood. That would be a good time to pray. Matter of fact, may I just remind you that it was a 10-day prayer meeting in the book of Acts that radically changed the whole world. 10 days, that's a little while. But that's how important it was to them. And so when we have an appetite as a school, we can have an appetite as individuals. We have an appetite to say, God, I want to be a person of prayer. I want to know you. I want to walk with you. I want to hear your voice. Tune in my ears, God. Let me hear. What, you, what, what would you show me, God, that you want to do? How would you want to lead me? When I'm walking past places, would you please let me see what you want to do with that house that seems like so impossible? Or those people who seems like they would never want you. Oh, you can't believe how much God wants to do and stuff. Like what we're saying, my eyes are saying, no, nah, nothing's going to happen there. They're just way out there. No, you can't believe what God wants to do. If you have ears to hear and says, God, in prayer, I'm tuning in. I want to become what you want me to be. And so, I'll, I'll, one, can I challenge you, if nobody even else goes with you, better yet if you can take three, four people with you. But just say, let's just go on a prayer walk. That's, I hope that doesn't make it a, a oh, one of those things. A time when you guys are together and you're walking around and you're tuned in and listening to God's voice saying, God, what would you like to do in this area? What would you like to do here? What would you like to speak? So I'm not telling God, well, God bless the block party and bless. I want him to, yes. But I'm asking God, why don't you speak to me? Why don't you talk to me? Who might you lead me to? As example here, who you want to lead me to that I can to expound and explain who you are and inspire someone's faith to transform them. And you'd be surprised how hungry people are. Man, how hungry people are. So develop your prayer life. Just practice. You, you say, well, I'm scared to knock on doors. Okay, so am I. By, by the way, here's an interesting thing. How many of you would just walk up to a house, open the door like, hey, is anybody in here? I want to help save you. Any smart you want to raise your hand and say you do that? Yeah, we'd be all scared to death, right? What if you're walking by a house and you notice the roof is ablaze? And you ran to the door and you knocked and no one answered. You knock again and no one answered. And you go like, guess no one's home and we'll leave. No, I bet you kicked the door in and says, hey, is anybody in here that needs to be saved? What's the difference? I was scared to death the first time to even knock. The second time, I'm kicking the door in. What's the difference? You realize the danger that was there. And sometimes we're so numb. We don't realize. We're talking about not just a fire that burns a house down or takes a life a few years early. We're talking about eternity. And so to say, look, I have a task from God 
that requires me to give my best even if I'm not feeling it. Even if it's not, I'm, an extra, I'm not an extrovert. I'm not an outgoing person. I don't know how to. No, you will know how to do it if I could see what is the issue here. So I'm not suggesting you kick indoors tonight. I am saying, though, that somehow we've got to push ourselves beyond the comfort zone to say, God, I just, if, if all I do is walk around and pray, it will make a difference. Brother Romanovich, prayer walks make a difference? They do, for sure. If I even don't see anything happen with my eyes, I didn't meet someone. <laughs> we were out Saturday. I walked by one house and I looked twice. I thought, there's a pig in the backyard. He's a little bit hairy, too. I remember looking like, and there's a guy sitting in the swing, and the pig's just walking around behind him. And I says, is that a pig? And he goes, yeah. I says, like, is that your raisin or is it a pet or what? He goes, it's a pet. He says, it's, it's house trained. He says, it's very friendly, too. If you sit on the couch, you'll come up and cuddle with you. I'm like, this is different, folks. But the, the pig looked very tame and looked kind of friendly, you know. So you might meet all kinds of people out there. Um, but they still do have souls. And you still, it's, it's a nice thing to talk about the pig and then switch over to like, hey, by the way, you know something about Jesus? So uh, let me encourage you today, this week, start this week. Let yourself be pushed because everybody else is doing it. It'll be easier. It's like you just flow with the flow. You go with the flow a little bit and get pushed a little bit. Start getting plugged in and just try adventuring out, knock on some, talking to people. If you don't like knocking doors or whatever, then just talk to people with pigs, whatever it takes. Just, you know, just connect with people and just, and, and let the Lord lead you. He will. He'll lead you. He definitely will. Um, so I think I'm just about right now for our, message, uh, our title. Let's go back there. Uh, this is taken from Acts chapter 26. And this is uh, Paul, and he's, um, he's re rehashing to King Agrippa uh, about his conversion. So in Acts chapter 26, uh, the first part of here is that uh, he, he's talking about how he had the authority to go to Damascus and to arrest people, and he talks about this noonday, this bright light comes from heaven and knocks him to the ground. Um, and when he's laying there on the ground, he, uh, he's fallen to the earth. He says, I heard a voice speaking to me, saying the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It's hard for thee to kick against the bricks. You're familiar with those verses. Um, and he asks that famous question, verse 15. He says, who art thou, Lord? And he says, I'm Jesus whom thou persecutest. But verse 16, which is, I want to take my title from that, first line, but rise and stand upon thy feet. If I had something I want you to do today, I'd like for you to rise and to stand upon your feet. To, to say, I'm not just content to sit with the crowd. I want to make a decision. I want to respond to what's going on. I want to rise and stand upon my feet. I'll become what God has called me to become. So that's, that's where I want to go today. And Jesus, we need you a whole lot. Um, help me, Lord, not to add any fluff in the middle of this stuff of what I want to say. You speak to hearts, God. That's what we desire.
Help me to be invisible, God, that they don't see me, but they hear you. And Lord, I believe you're calling us, God, to rise. You want to impart a vision to us. You want us to see what's going on, God. And uh, I thank you for your help. Now you can probe into the innermost part of our heart, God. Convict us with the stuff you've already been talking to us about that we need to do. Help us arise in faith to follow you in Jesus' name. So I have less than 15 minutes. I plan on being done early. I have to warn you ahead of time. Thank you for already having the altar call coming up in front because I don't want to have an altar call at the end of this where you walk up to the front. We, we do that so often, and, and it's a good response. I need to respond to the word of God. When God says, you know, and I feel conviction, I need to respond to that. How I want you to respond today is not to walk up here and just get a touch, which feels good, and it's kind of, okay, I feel better now, and we go back and sit back down. This altar call today, I want you to rise Stand up on your feet and not head this way, but head that way. Your altar call will be the rest of this week. Walk out there. That's where the hurting are at. There might be a few people in here who need to be saved. You mentioned that. But for the most part, they're out there. We're in the wrong place if we want to think that we're going to have good church and great revival and we're just inside the four walls that's hidden in our building. So the challenge to be, will you arise to the altar call, which is out there? Um, it must be almost like 30 years ago now. Um, Brother Mooney was having a staff retreat. There's no staff here that was there that day. Um, I guess that means I'm getting old. But um, Brother Brown might have been there. Uh, but it was up in uh, Plymouth, Indiana. It was some golf course, and we're just using the, we weren't even playing golf. I don't even know how to play golf. But we were there, and that's the hammer retreat. And, and Brother Mallory was there, you know, giving us a punch talk or whatever. I distinctly remember, just as I had my eyes closed, I was praying. I just really felt, and at that time, this was a gymnasium, had a basketball hoop at either side, and was kind of trashy and whatever else, and it didn't have any spiritual flavor to this place at all. Uh, it later became a junk room that was almost this deep in trash, and then that all got cleared out and turned into this, praise God. But I remember just, it was like I, I saw Sandy in this room, and I was looking towards Indianapolis, and IDC students was pouring out, answering the call. I remember thinking, whoa, that's going to happen someday, but the gymnasium, why are they leaving from the gym? Well, I didn't know that was going to change. I believe that what the revival God wants to give the city of Indianapolis is so huge. Include Greenwood, include Plainfield, include every place. Else. What God wants to do is so much bigger than what we can even imagine right now that you would have to have just say, God, I need to de-junk my mind of all these preconceived ideas of how you'll move in order for me to grasp the size of what you're wanting to do. In Jesus' name. Some of you have a little hard time swallowing just yet, but let's keep working on that just a second more. The, you see, it's by faith that we stepped. Did it look like the children of Israel could take the Jericho, could take all that promised land? Most people would say, no, it's not possible. But there's a few people who knew their God. And that's why they say, let's go now. We're more than able to take it. Well, because they knew who was on their side. They weren't looking at their weapons. They weren't looking at their talents. They weren't looking at their skill set or anything else. So 
that's why we need those times of prayer where it's like, God, soak into me what you want to say. Soak into me, Lord, what you want to show me in your spirit. We've got to move in the gifts of the spirit, folks. If this is just made by man's good intentions and we'll figure out a way to do it, we'll, we'll, be, um, we'll be doing all kinds of fundraisers or whatever to try to support something and figure out how we're going to buy it and how to make it happen and get good advertisement, buy advertisement slots or whatever we're going to do. To try. And we won't get hardly anywhere. We'll burn ourselves out with exhaustion trying to do something that is impossible for us to do in our flesh. But when I say, God, you know how to open doors that no man can shut. And you can open that door so wide that a flood of people just. So let me encourage you today. Who would have ever thought that the guy out killing people, number one Christian killer of the day, would be right in most of the New Testament? Do you think any Christians? I don't know. Maybe there were. I doubt that most Jerusalem was feeling that way. Matter of fact, they might have had a grudge because he might have bumped off their grandma or something. And they weren't really too excited about him. But as it was, let's read what he says here. Verse 15, he said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. But rise, stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. There is a purpose that God has for you. He appeared to you. He called you to the school here, and it's for a purpose. And the devil said, oh, no, God didn't really do that. No, you, just, well, you were just agreeing. No, tell the devil to shut up. God brought you here for a purpose, just like he was brought for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in the which will, I will appear unto thee. So he says, look, there's stuff that you've seen, this vision from heaven or whatever else, that's going to be make you a minister, and you're going to be a witness because of what you've seen, and there's been even more stuff coming down the road that I'm going to show you later on. So he's getting his, uh, you might say, his little job description from the Lord pretty clear. Verse 17, he said, Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles to whom now I send thee. He says, look, I'm sending you to people who don't even like you. They're going to be, to, they're going to be out to kill you, but I'm going to deliver you. So, I mean, it's like, you know, heads up, danger ahead, but that's okay, I got you. That was what Paul would have to be understanding from what's going on here. And so the, the fact that you're going to find yourself probably in a similar situation where I'm going somewhere where I may not be real light, people are grumping at me, it could be at your job, they're all like, you're a Christian, no, you're a loser, man. And it doesn't matter. God's going to send you, but he's going to deliver you also. So just know, I can be bold anyway. Because he's going to deliver me. I like this next verse here. Uh, he says, Delivering thee from the, gen the people and from the Gentiles whom I now send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan huh, unto God. If there's something I, I, I have for so many friends that, I, I, that are not saved, I'm saying, God, would you open their eyes that they can see just how powerful you are, how mighty you are, how gracious you are, and that you turn them from the darkness. They live in dark. They don't even know which way to go. It's just like they live in darkness. It's like there's no hope. They think that satisfaction comes from this world and all the most sickest stuff they can imagine. And God wants to turn them from that darkness unto the light and the power of Satan. There's people that are bound by sin, strongholds. It's like, you know, they want to come to church, but for some reason, man, I just find that they get, it's like they can't. They try to, and 
the car breaks down, this goes wrong, that goes wrong, and they just like, yeah, I'll be there Sunday, and they never make it. Man, Lord, break that stronghold. And God will do that. To turn them from the power of Satan to God and that they may receive forgiveness of sin and an inheritance. God has an inheritance for them, folks. So you might be looking at a drug addict on the road. You might be looking at the the most church hater there is or whatever else. But God has an inheritance for them in heaven. He has a plan for their life. He needs just someone with faith to rise and go. Stand on your feet. Get going. Got to move, got to move. So he went on to say, Thereupon, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient. Hmm. So, how do we know if we are really adopting this into our lifestyle? Is my faith where it needs to be? One, I would re- suggest that um, it's going to be reflected by your prayer life when everybody else isn't praying. I show up at prayer because it's on the schedule, and I should. I want to set a good example for you guys and all that kind of stuff. But more than that, though, it's, it's just that's a routine. It's a good routine to be in. Yeah, I feel like, you know, we touch God, and that's good. But when it's really me, you're praying a whole lot more than just scheduled times. Matter of fact, it should become, um, it should become a walk where as you're walking through your day, you might be thinking, oh, i got to get the tires fixed, and, and, uh, oh, yeah, I'm a little bit hungry. Maybe I can swing by school for lunch. And, oh, wait a minute, there's a pr- Like, God, what do you think about that person right there? And so your prayer time is mixed in with your life activities, but he's talking to you about, like, no, what was it the other day? Oh, I was going to fiddle with working on a bike. And uh, I said, yeah, I'll, I'll go work. I got a little time right now. I'll start doing that. I start walking there and just something like, no, don't. And I'm like, it's not a sin to work on bikes, is it? Free time. I didn't have nothing scheduled. I wasn't missing anything. But I just felt a little, meh, no. I don't know why. God just didn't want me working on a bike straight then. Be in tune enough that you don't have to kneel down and say, God, give me a vision or get direction. It should be he could just guide you gently. As a matter of fact, Psalm says it this way. He says, he says don't like be like a horse and a mule that have to have their a bit and bridle to direct them. He says, I want to just direct you with my eyes. Do you ever have your mom... For me, it was my mom. She, she played up in the orchestra when I was a little kid. And if I was a little kid dorking around in church or whatever, and you know, my feet didn't quite touch the ground, I'm fiddling with something, and maybe I was being a little disruptive. And I just looked up. I could get her eye. And I, you know, and like, oop, got the message. She could direct me with just a look. Didn't take any words. Didn't have to jerk my hand or nothing else. It's just I got, I got, you know. And I knew when I was doing good and when I wasn't doing good, she could direct me with her eyes. It should be how we walk through every day's life. That the Lord is directing me, not because he's got a brittle brow, he's jerking me, and I've gotten this fight. No, I'm going to go my way. No, you're going this way. It shouldn't be a fight. It should be just like that little thing in the spirit, just letting you know, like, hmm, hmm, hmm. And God can lead you to exactly to who he wants to lead you to, to tell you what not to do, so that you're available to do what he wants you to do. Did you have a chance, I'll ask our, our people back there, did you have a chance to put those questions up? Oh, uh, let's throw that up there for a second then. Huh? Uh, well, it starts by, uh, here's the thing. You got to be careful you don't get a hard heart. And I'm going to try to do this real hard, uh, real quick, I mean. But um, so I was out in the res um, this past um, 
summer. And uh, <laughs> I'm minding my own business, trying to pray. I'm trying to edit the book and correct with, you know, anything that we need to get straightened down, correct spellings and whatever. And I hear this pleading, yelping, and I'm like, oh, yeah. okay, so now I'm getting scared because I might be over time. Try to tell a story fast. Brother Gallon can tell much better stories. He has wrestling lions and bears in, in Alaska, and I'm dealing with puppies in the <laughs> desert. But, um, I hear this desperate cry, and I'm trying to do this work, and I'm thinking, like, ah, ah. And it just kept on and kept on and kept on. And I thought, man, it sounds like a young puppy. It must be caught in the fence or something. There's nothing out there. By the way, res dogs, I feel sorry for those things. If you ever know what a res dog is, it's like they, they're skinny, scrawny, matted hair. Everybody hates them. They throw rocks at them. They're a pain. They always want food. There's no food anywhere. It's just there's nothing out there but dirt and sand and rocks. I don't know where to even get water from to stay alive. Nobody feeds them. Like, they're, like, hated because they, they're so moochy that they always want some, something. They're, like, digging through your trash and whatever. That they, well, if you even have trash to put out. But the point is that they're just a pest to most people out there. Here, we like dogs. I think dogs are hated out there. I'm not sure about that, but close to that. And so here's this desperate yelping. My heart's, like, moved with compassion. And I'm thinking, man, there must be some poor little puffy. I'm thinking, where I'm at, I know there's no water anywhere. This, the, the stream is dried up. There's not a drip anywhere. It hadn't rained God knows how long. Dust is blowing everywhere. There's no trash even. I'm, I'm in the middle of nowhere almost. Yeah. And I'm thinking, what is even a dog doing here? How did it get here? And so I go out there to, to try to figure out what happened. And uh, I'm thinking it's going to be caught in, the, you know, in a trap or something. And this, this dog, puppy looked like he was terrorized, tormented. I mean, he's yelping. And I figured, like, when you come out that they'd you know, like, run up and jump on your leg or something. He didn't, like, I mean, he came up to my feet, but he just kept yelping and yelping and yelping. I'm like, what do you want me to do, dog? I don't, I don't know. And I'm thinking, like, maybe he drank some antifreeze and he's dying because he just seemed like he's tormented. He's like, eh, he just kept yelping and yelping. Like, I, mean, like yeah, I, I didn't know if I wanted to pet or not. Because here's the thing. If I start petting it or if I fed it, he's never going to leave. Is that a good or bad thing? I'm going to leave, so I don't want to get amused. So I just kind of hardened my heart a little bit, like, well, I can't be too friendly to it because they'll always be hanging out here, and it's going to cause trouble to these people, and they'll always have to feed it. So I just kind of ignored him, and, and he so pathetically ran. I had my feet like this here, and he, I'm just standing like, what do I do with this dog? I, I, he ran between him, and he, like, wanted to be right between my legs. And he put his head right on my top of my shoe, and he's yelping still and, like, whining and complaining. I'm looking at him, and he kind of started calming down, and he's like, <sighs> he's breathing like hard. I'm like, is he sick? I was like, was he eaten by, you know, uh, wolves or whatever? And he didn't look like he was chewed up or anything. He looked, actually kind of looked kind of plump for a res dog. And I thought, man, uh, it doesn't look like, I don't know, is he must be terribly lonely or what? And, and so I was just hoping to calm down, and he did. And so when he, he fell asleep within two minutes on my foot. And so I kind of like slowly pull one foot out, the other foot, because I realized wherever I go, he's going to follow me now. He, he's like all by himself. There's no humans around. So I tiptoe off, and I, I went to just kind of hard my heart a little bit, and I thought, well, you know, I can't, I can't help the dog because they'll build a 
a relationship that when I'm gone and can't do nothing for it, I thought, but maybe he is dying for no water. So I, I put a little bowl of water close to him, and I sneak back off. And uh, a little bit later on, I hear him yelping again. He didn't go for the water. He wasn't thirsty. And I thought, and here he goes again with that harassment. Did I torment you with another one? Oh, man, I can't get it. He wouldn't quit. He just would not quit. And so um, I, I, I'm there, and, uh, yeah, I said, when I put the water out there, I woke him up, and he started yelping, whatever, carrying on. And I don't know why he's yelping, and he looks fat, and I gave him water. He didn't want any, and I'm just whatever. And so he, again, crawls up on my feet because he just wanted to be close to me. And I'm like, and in a minute or two, he falls asleep again. I mean, just knocking right out. And so, again, I snuck off, and I thought, you know what? I can't afford to deal with this dog right now. He's too cute, too nice, and whatever, and, and if he, we get attached and I'm gone, then he'll just be here and he'll die out here. And I just, and so I went back in the, into the, my room and closed the door. He wakes up about three minutes later and starts yelping again, except this time he comes right up. I'm staying at the church. He comes right up to the church, and he's yelping and yelping and yelping and yelping and yelping and yelping. He didn't know where I went, I don't think. I mean, he was asleep when I snuck off, and he just keeps yelping and yelping and yelping. And, um, and I remember just, like, I'm not going to respond. I'm not going to respond. Just hardened my heart. Now, that's a cute little dog, but lost souls are way more important to God. And they were crying in despair, crying out for help, wanting fellowship of any kind. I'm almost giving him nothing, and he's just desperately right at my feet, exhausted, tormented by sin, the world. And so often we can easily just harden our heart. So let's try that. Do you got the questions just on the harden your heart part? Anything you got at all? Um, here's a little check to see uh, if you're hardening your heart. Um, one would be, do you carry contact cards with you? If you care about the lost, you're not hardening your heart. You're not trying to ignore them. Um, somewhere, I forget where I'm like finding them. Somewhere you should have a contact card which says, like, here's when we have church service. And you could, if you see somebody, you've already prepared. You've already had faith that I'm going to need to do this. So you have a card to give them. It says, oh, here we got, we're saving a seat for you. Here, I'd like for you to, to attend. That meant you were already planning on meeting somebody. Folks, are you planning on meeting somebody today? Yes or no? I hope your answer is yes. And so I'd like for you to be able to have a, to be able to tell them, well, here's an advertisement. But if you just advertised and that was all, question number two was, did you collect their name and ask them for a prayer request? The last few people that um, I, I asked about, you know, do you have a prayer request? They said, yeah, would you pray that I'd be happy? We were on that bike ride. If you remember, I think it was a Nicholas or whoever it was that you know, they were, it was the middle of the night. They were in that little park thing in between the interstates. Whoever was on that bike ride with me, and uh, and I asked him, I said, "Well, what would be your number one prayer request?" And he just says, "For happiness, have a good life." So many people just that's their answer. Like, I got everything, got money, got girlfriend, and everything else, but I'm not happy. So, do you get prayer requests and pray for them? That's another check to see if your heart, your heart is becoming hard. Three, I call them launch scriptures. 
would you be able to direct them to some scriptures? You know where to find scriptures at in the Bible where you could help them find out who Jesus is. So it may be different for me versus Brother Kilman versus you versus somebody else, but do you have scriptures that you got plugged into? Four, did your car go to church alone with just IBC students in it? Or do you try to pick somebody up and bring them to church? Um, in closing, again, no altar call here. There are altar calls to go out there, but I just would ask you to check yourself. Am I hardening my heart? Am I saying, oh, I don't want to get attached to people. Oh, it's going to be a pain. They're, they're like res dogs. Uh, I would, but they're crying out for help. And what killed me was this puppy is at the church pleading with me. And I'm telling myself I can't go out there and be friendly. It would take too much time. To be, and that was a dog. How much more important someone that's lost thinking, I need Jesus. I know God's somewhere. I believe him somewhere, but I don't know where he's at. And I'm knocking at the door, but does any Christian pay attention to me? Is anyone let me know what I can do? So Jesus, in conclusion today, I pray for this part, Lord, that you put something into our heart that help us to decide that we're going to be for real. And Lord, I don't want to just soft salve a little bit of a touch of you and then just ignore the rest. But Lord, help us to be determined. Every evening this night, but especially by the time we get to Friday, way more so when we get to the block party, it's not about that we give cotton candy out and smile and pat kids on the head. It's about that we care about souls. Does our heart move with compassion like you would move with compassion? Lord, would you allow us to get addicted to ministry? And I pray, Lord, that you put that deep in our hearts. Help us to walk in faith, not who we are, but who you're making us to be. Help us to rise, stand upon our feet, and be the people that you call us to be. In Jesus' name. You may be dismissed. 